New Year, New You. Welcome to 2023, a new year, a time for change, a different routine. One part of your routine you shouldn't change. Quality journalism in your podcast feed every Thursday. We're back. Welcome to the Manchester Weekly from the mill. Hello there, welcome to this week's episode of the Manchester Weekly from The Mill with me, Daryl Morris, and The Mill's editor, Yoshi Herman. Hello, Yoshi. Hi, how's it going? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How, yeah. was, um, how was the break? It was a good break. Um, I was initially at my mum's in Sussex, mm-hmm. as everyone knows, I mm-hmm. think. And then I went to Romania, uh, where my girlfriend's from. Sibiu, which is a little uh, town in Transylvania, where she's from. Oh, really? And then we went skiing for a couple of days. Quite a small sort of... Um, you know, small-scale Romanian ski place. And nice. there was not much snow, but it was really nice to, be, to sort of be there and, you know, her friends and my friends and that sort of thing. And then I had to get a night train to Budapest because my flight got cancelled. Wow. So I had to That's get a, incredibly a sleeper romantic. train. That's very romantic. Yeah, I sent you a picture of it. It's cool. Yeah. It's like, um, it must be a train from the sort of 50s, 60s. I don't know. It feels incredibly old, which yeah. I think apparently no one's been making sleepers for the past few decades because they've gone out of fashion. Yeah. So now even with these new sleepers that they're building, I think they're doing one that you can now go from London to Berlin oh. via Brussels, oh, the right. sleeper bits from Brussels. Mm. They're now having to buy up all the old stock or whatever. Oh. Anyway, so I got the night train. You wrote a writer's edition of The Mill on the, the train, yeah, that was actually a different train. That the was, night old, train. Oh, that was a Romanian train. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on trains. But no, I wrote I wrote my end-of-year ed- editor's edition on this five-hour Romanian train journey, which right. was really good. Because um, train journeys are good for that. You mm. can actually just, you have to knuckle down. There's, there's less internet and stuff. Mm. So, no, there was night train. And in the middle of the night, you know, you're just falling asleep. And then you get a rap on the door. And it's these enormous you know, bulky blokes who are their passport inspectors. So you hand over the passports, all good. Half an hour later, whatever, they've checked everyone's passports. The train carries on, trundles on, you go back to sleep. And then you get another loud rap on the door. And even bigger blokes come in, like bald <laughs> blokes. They are the Hungarian guards, right? Because <laughs> they're not in Schengen. Or Romania's not in Schengen. I don't yeah, know if Hungary yeah. is. Actually, they just got Romania just got rejected from Schengen. Mm. So you've got all this passport malarkey. And then they get you get woken up again. Again, they sort of look through... They laugh at the fact that you haven't got your, you know, you haven't got your T-shirt on or whatever. And then they go away, they check them, and then it trundles on. I got to Budapest, 5 a.m., flew back to the UK. Wow. And I'm here. Exciting. Here to record. It's very nice, very romantic. Speaking of trains, I took some trains over Christmas as well. Yeah. I was in Italy for a bit and took a train Italia who co-owned Avanti. Yeah. So I had a piece of Avanti on my trip to uh, to Italy yeah. a couple of weeks ago and it was late by about 10 minutes. And it, it is a, it is an Italian company, isn't it? It is an Italian company, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, uh, 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 yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. And Avanti is uh, First Group and Train Italia. God. So I even, even... In Italy, I couldn't escape uh, no, taking no. an Avanti train. <laughs> yeah, and being delayed by it. And being delayed by it, yeah. being held up by it, if it's, you can believe it's it. It's an absolute disgrace. It really is. Nice to be back, though. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of which, we've got more train strikes coming up as well, of yeah. course, this weekend. Uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be doing my uh, my Times Radio show from this very studio. Oh, do you do a show on, on Times Radio? I didn't mention that. I, I wasn't aware of that. Radio. Um, so what, what the, how can we listen to this? Uh, Saturday, Sunday nights, 10 till 1. On Times Radio, from this very studio this weekend. Oh, nice. Because of the uh, train strikes, yeah. which is... It's okay, I suppose. So normally you spend your weekend in London? I do. 
Okay. I do. Yeah. yeah, and I travel between. So I'm very I'm well versed in Avanti yeah. and the the pain of Avanti. And tell our listeners what the what the, sh- the focus of the show is. It's quite sort of current affairsy, isn't it? It's newsy, and uh, we do a little bit of entertainment. And we all, we also have, in fact, actually, our midnight hour. Mm. We're joined by uh, a guest, usually a journalist or mm. broadcaster or something, who joins us for the hour, and we sort of chat through some of the big stories of the day. And I think that at some point you're going to be a guest on that slot on my show. If I get the call up. If I get the call up, you will. It's, I with, will. it's with the producers at the moment. <laughs> They're deciding if you uh, are yeah, having, having a look through the links. <laughs> nice to be back, though. Thank you for having us back in your podcast feed for a brand new year. Uh, we, I would normally at this point, I would say plenty to get into, loads to get our teeth into on this week's edition, which we really don't. It's very quiet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. That's the, the end. That's the end of the podcast. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for subscribing. <laughs> we should start though. In fact, actually, there is an interesting story brewing in Westidsbury and Chalton, um, and also some news floating around of a parcel thief. Uh, who's been kicking around over Christmas. We'll take a look at that in a sec. Firstly, Yoshi, you've been taking a look at how the cost of living crisis is affecting some clubs in Greater Manchester, two in particular, Abraham Moss Warriors in Cheaton Hill area and Manchester Mayhem who play ice hockey in Altrincham. What's going on with these two clubs? Well, yeah, I mean, in a sense, I haven't been looking at it. It's just an interesting story that I came across and I think it's worth talking about because both of these clubs are saying... The, the rising costs, I mean, it's not really a living, it's the rising costs of operating mm. are really, really hurting them. And they, they reckon they might have to go out of, you know, I don't know, go out of business, but they're going to have to stop operating. And you've been hearing these stories quite a bit, haven't you? Like charities that can't afford to carry on, uh, social groups and community groups that can't afford to carry on. Heating's a big thing. There are other like inflationary costs that they're facing. And the first thing about this is, these kind of groups just don't have the kind of infrastructure or the kind of like money in the bank or whatever to survive these these short-term peaks in, in, in costs and stuff. So that's really like a big cost of inflation. And the other thing I think is just like communities really rely on these kinds of initiatives and these kinds of like sports teams and um, and and you know the, the Abraham Moss um, Warriors, they support families, as you say, in Crumpsall, Cheatham Hill. So this might just be one that we want to keep an eye on in the months ahead Energy bills should be coming down again at some point this year because I think actually the, the 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 underlying cost of energy is now, you know, almost down to what it was originally, but the costs that people are paying are still extortionate. Mm. So I, I I more just raised it because I think it might be an interesting one to keep an eye on which kind of businesses and organisations um, are going to be put into the red or they're going to go out of business entirely because of these these kind of things. Have you heard of other kind of examples of this? I think most of them, actually, you would probably knock on the door of most community groups, mm. community organisations who will who will tell you that they are finding it a little bit tough. Yeah. And also perhaps more so uncertainty as to what the next 12 months is going to actually look like. How are they going to navigate through those, I think it's 20% increase Abraham Moss Warriors were reported in their bills. Were yeah, and there's also schools and hospitals. So I don't know as much about hospitals, but I know about schools because as you know, I work at one a few hours a week. I work doing the kind of university help, you know, getting people to see university. And I spoke to the deputy head, I just bumped into him over the Christmas break, he was on a walk and I was on a walk. And I said, you know, how's this energy thing? It wasn't the first thing I said, I said, hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Caught up a bit. Um, and then I, you know, we were talking about the energy thing. And their energy bill for the school, it's a big comprehensive school, it's like two and a half thousand kids. So I think he said the energy bills are going to cost them an additional 500k or something. It's about half a million wow. or something like that. It's unreal. <laughs> and, um, and I said, how are you paying for that? And he said, he seemed to be saying, and I don't know the exact details, but he seemed to be saying, that's basically on us. 
so mm. far we haven't been promised any extra money. Now, mm. maybe there's been a bit of extra money since since I spoke to him or something, but he basically said, we have to make cost savings to pay for that. So we're going to have to have fewer support teachers or bigger classes or, or whatever that you we're going to have to mm. we're going to have to find that so that's pretty remarkable isn't it like you th- we think of the government as stepping in because they have stepped in with consumers but it seems like they're not really stepping in with organizations and organizations have massive energy bills yeah absolutely um, okay uh, we will definitely keep an eye on those two clubs in particular but just generally how that that cost of existing for those clubs affects them around greater manchester one club though that is thriving in Didsbury and Cholton. Didsbury and Cholton AFC, a football club in Didsbury and Cholton. Obviously. Probably. And a, a bit of a storm is brewing, Yoshi, about the rapid rise of Didsbury and Cholton AFC because not everybody is celebrating. Yeah. So I only heard about this because one of my readers messaged me and said, this is a disgrace. And they you know, linked to the MEN. Happens a lot. Clicked on the link. <laughs> and it turned out to be about Didsbury and Chalton AFC. Does that mean athletic football club? Uh, yeah, I think it does, yeah. AFC. Association football club. Association football club, that's it. Oh, because it's football. Football, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, nice. So it's an AFC. They have apparently kind of come from nowhere in the past few years to being a really popular club. And I, th- I believe the number of people who go to it is about 1,500 people on a, on, a, on a weekend match day. Something in that, something in that um, range. And what's happened is recently they've had to sort of change their alcohol license. It's not like they're getting a new one, but like they had to like change the, the type of it. And there are all these complaints from these local people. Um, you've got one person who said, now this club is really popular... And now there's only like there's only like a narrow path that spectators can use to get there, that it's causing loads of disruptions, causing loads of noise. Are you following the story so far? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, one of the local residents said, and here's the quote they gave to the MEN, that they are fearful for the future and the quality of, and they, and they all they said the quality of life in the area is going to plummet. Right. And then they immediately says, which I thought was quite sort of um, revealing. It's a lot. You it? might think this is just about NIMBYs, but actually this is a real, real problem. Right. Uh, it does sound like it's a thing about NIMBYs. But <laughs> anyway, I've had two different people getting in touch saying, look, this club is really, really good. It's really nice to have this growing success story. One person wrote to me, I coach for the juniors and I'm heavily involved with the senior club. And I would love to help show how much of a community asset the club really is rather than the masses hearing from a handful of disgruntled residents. Most of the local residents support the club wholly and are season ticket holders. And I also spoke to another person who got in touch, the original one who got in touch, who said, like, yeah, don't let these small number of people complaining about something, you know, frame the story because obviously they're the ones who speak to the MEN. But yeah. the vast majority of people in the area really like it. Apparently, it's really good for kids. It's nice to have, like, organizations like that that genuinely bring like a neighborhood together Mm. you know this whole thing of like in the pandemic people are working from home more particularly in affluent areas and therefore you're going to your local shop more your local cafe more it almost feels like with this very very local football club it's almost like the football version of that it's like you don't travel to the edge of town to go and watch united or whatever you you go to your local football club so is that is that is that happening then do you think my next question was going to be why have west didsbury and charlton afc become so popular that's a good good question actually and i don't know um but i know that in london there's one in dulwich called dulwich hamlet that's Mm. really popular thousands of people go you used to live near there did you yeah yeah so so they were my local club Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they've got this whole ethos around them. They've kind of taken off. I don't know if it's happening actually. Maybe the listeners can can write in and tell us if it's happening. Um, but it certainly feels to me like part of this thing of like people want to do more things in walking distance of their local of of where they are. Mm. The pandemic really forced us to think. Hang on, what's going on in my village or what's going on in my suburb? And therefore, we might see a more of a, a community life building around 
suburbs and neighbourhoods rather than, you know, across the whole city. I don't know. It's a slightly half-baked theory, but there was an interesting story out today saying that businesses in certain pockets where people are working from home a lot have, have like, really, really benefited. Um, um, And there's been a sort of uptick in demand in areas where clearly a lot of professional people work from home. So maybe the Chalton and Didsbury Football Club is part of that. Or maybe it's just a story about small numbers of people always having the power to influence the public narrative about a story and the vast majority of people who are not motivated enough to... You know, it's it's not a story to say I really like my local football club and I mm. like how it's doing, mm. but it is a story to say mm. the council is 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 wrong for giving these guys a drinks license. So you often hear from the whingers, and in this case, it sounds like the whingers are, are in a in a tiny minority. But if you really want to know the full story, Molly Simpson is trying to find out, and she will be um she'll be writing a story for us this nice. week. Okay. So tune in for that. Watch this space. ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you watch and subscribe as well. To it's where you read it. In your yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I didn't live in Dulwich. I lived in Woolwich, actually. I don't know why I said I lived right. in Dulwich. Right. Which is ridiculous. Much, much less posh. Uh, very, very <laughs> much so. Yes, much more my bracket of uh, <laughs> area. Okay. Uh, elsewhere this week, uh, police are looking for a man who stole more than 30 parcels from an apartment block in Stockport in the build-up to Christmas. This is a bit of a classic Christmas story as well. Uh, what do we know about this? Well... Police have said, and I'm quoting the BBC, that the suspect gained access to the block on St. Lesmo Road by impersonating a homeowner, classic, and even signed for deliveries. Genius. <laughs> Absolute genius. He is described as about five foot six inches and was wearing a scarf over his, his mouth. Scarf over his mouth. I don't know. How did he sign for deliveries? Well, he just like stayed there Hung as around. the parcels came. I guess he probably knows what total speculation about this story. But it's possible that he knows what time parcels get delivered mm. and he just was like, at that time I'm going to go in, I'm going to sign for, what is it, 30 parcels? And then he left with them. Is that, is that, is that plausible? I mean, I mean, extraordinary, really. Brazen. This is a block of flats issue, isn't it? Because if you've got your own mailbox or whatever or your own door on the street because you live in a house, mm. they'll just put that through, through it, right? Mm. Unless the parcel's really big. But in a block of flats... You have to leave it in the communal area, right? And therefore, all the boxes pile up in one area. And therefore, if you're motivated to go and steal them, you can pick up 10 parcels. Like, for example, I came back to my apartment Mm -hmm. building yesterday, uh, two days ago, and there were like 15 things sitting there. If I'd been a parcel thief, if I'd I'd got someone to buzz me in or or impersonated a homeowner or whatever, I could have taken all of those. So I think it's an apartment issue. And, yeah, my girlfriend actually had this. She orders, I think, some tennis shoes online. Very niche. And they arrived, and someone just clearly swiped them because they weren't anywhere. Really? So really? I think it's actually a, an apartment block issue. Is that correct? I think that's right. But I actually heard an interesting thing, totally unrelated to the sort of Manchester. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to create... Um, lots of companies are trying to create things where you can let the parcel person in on your phone, even if you're at work. Into the house? Yep. So oh, they wow. buzz you, buzzes on your phone. You see them on the camera... You see it's legit. You effectively sign for it digitally. Yeah. You let them in, and they have like 10 seconds to just open the door, put it back. How do you let them in? Because it's a digital door. It's oh, a digital door. They're creating digital doors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parcel companies creating digital doors. Yeah, and apparently the people who are going to end up paying for it is not me and you. It's like not like I want to spend £500 on a digital lock. Yeah. It's that Walmart or Amazon or Tesco, because they're so motivated. Apparently one of their biggest costs is things that get lost or things that are not not they can't deliver them, they have to deliver them a week later. Yeah, right. They are now 
working with these new startups uh, who do d- digital door locking. Is that too much of a tangent? I don't know. No, that was very interesting. Yeah, I feel like I learned something. That's happening. For the uh, first time yeah. uh, on this podcast, <laughs> I've actually learned something, which would be very handy for me, having got back from Italy also to uh, receiving some parcels, uh, where I slipped through the door from Royal Mail that said that the parcels, four of them that had been delivered to us while we were away in Italy, were in the blue bin. They've been put in there on blue bin day. Oh, my God. So they're gone. And what is the blue bin again? The blue bin is um, cardboard. Right. Yeah, cardboard recycling. So, that so they gone. put it in the blue bin? They put it in the blue bin. What? On blue bin day. What? The bins were out waiting for the... Uh, why would they do that? It's a really good question. And I have no idea who sent them. I don't know where they've come from. So there you are know, you know part, of this is, is, part of this is, obviously, people are ordering way more online than they used to, mm-hmm. which they shouldn't. That's the moral of the story. Yeah, that's my fault, stop, really. Stop doing it? that. Yeah. But the other thing is that the parcel companies tend to be third-party companies who don't aren't that motivated to do a good job. They're just they're like these poor people who do that job. I mean, I've spoken to lots of them. They just have to like deliver, deliver, yeah, deliver, yeah, deliver. Yeah. They yeah. don't have time. Extraordinary so they're, they're, they're targets. Like, yeah. They're like running around. Exactly. It's 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 basically not doable. What mm. they the task that they're given, and they're they're always stressed. They're always in a rush. So I actually have a lot of sympathy with them, even though. The end result of this badly mm. designed system is because 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 they're the ones they don't have to take responsibility for it because they're not well they don't work for the shop that you bought yeah. it for so they the work for a company that's that being contracted that. by the shop yeah and so I think the quality of that whole service is pretty poor but I don't blame the people because I think generally like they get humiliated all the time in the MEN or whatever the Daily Mirror being like this this parcel delivery sometimes they do really stupid stuff but. I think they are also given insane targets mm, to hit. Mm, mm. Um, okay, that's pretty much all of the news uh, this week. That's all the news. Some stuff about clubs and a, and a parcel thief. Um, <laughs> we're hoping to be, have more news as the year progresses. But what we thought we'd do, given this opportunity of a relatively quiet week at the start of the year, is perhaps look ahead to what 2023 has yeah. in store. We've kind of considered that with those clubs, haven't we? In Manchester, quite a few big moments Elections to come, Manchester Museum, we'll talk about that in a moment. But we're also anticipating the opening of the new Factory Arts Centre as well, aren't we? That sort of big blob, if you're coming down Regent Road, you'll see it. It's been being constructed over the last uh, year or so, a slowly sort of building blob. When is it going to open, is, is the big question. Yeah, so it's opening in June. And as you know, it's part of the Manchester International Festival, which goes on every year. There was actually a good preview in the in the Observer over the weekend. Um, they included it in, in in their 23 things to look out for in 2023. We should have done that. It's a good format. Ah, 23. Instead, we're doing three. Yeah. And it's been a controversial project because of the massive overspend. It's cost like a hundred million pounds more than it should have. But now that it's opening, I think it's sort of worth us looking at like what's really going to be in there. So we're going to go and meet a couple of the key senior leaders there, and we're going to do a mill interview about that. But it says, you know, the Guardian pr- profile said that they're going to have everything from intimate plays to massive installations to live concerts. Its central warehouse is 65 metres long and 21 metres high. That's four double-decker buses worth of headspace. Can you imagine that? Massive. And holds up to 5,000 people. So they're going to have a huge installation by an artist who I disgracefully probably can't pronounce Yayoi Kusama actually mm-hmm. Yayoi Kusama is, is probably right there's an installation from that artist You, Me and the Balloons in which the Japanese artist will fill the studio with her psychedelic polka dotted inflatables some more than 10 metres high that does actually sound really good that's at a late June to August and then in October you've got this large scale immersive adaptation of The Matrix directed by uh, Danny Boyle big oh, name big name right. coming back to his home city I think yeah where um, he's from yeah and 
hundreds of Manchester residents will perform perform alongside professionals to create one of the, some of the film's most famous moments. To be honest, that does not sound like my vibe whatsoever. <laughs> so once that's happened, I think we'll get try and get the opera back. <laughs> we get the, the opera going. There it is. Um, but anyway, so that's a, that's definitely a big thing to look forward to this year. It's like, what the hell are they going to do with this absolutely enormous venue? It'd be interesting to find out. And what we what we should do actually is we should do a, an episode we should. from the opening or something. Yeah, Me and you just exploring it. That'd be nice. Yeah. We, that'll be very nice. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that. Also, Manchester Museum, speaking of things opening, Manchester Museum has been going on, uh, undergoing a huge renovation. Really worth listening back to our interview with uh, the director at uh, Manchester Museum, uh, which will be in your podcast feed. She gave us some insight, didn't she, Yoshi, into what to expect, and that's on the horizon. Yeah, that episode we did with Esme Ward was a really, really good lesson. So interesting about how the kind of challenges that directors of museums have to think about in the, in the 21st century are to do with decolonization to do with returning artifacts i thought it was one of our best ones mm. scroll down your feed to find that mm-hmm. but anyway the the manchester museum um, museum of Man- is it called the manchester museum, or museum uh, of manchester? it's called it's actually called the museum Man- it's called manchester museum good okay good that museum which has been i think it's been renovating for about a year or a year and a half now they are are reopening with these new galleries these new spaces in february so next month the golden mummies of egypt will open to the public when the museums open in February, says the MEA, following its £15 million transformation. So that's another big one to look out for. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I go to more art stuff than I go to museums. So it'll be interesting. I definitely, I'm obviously going to go. There's, there'll be some amazing stuff. But it'll be interesting to see how, they, how they've reworked it in that very old building. Another podcast episode there on the horizon, perhaps, on location. We'll try and uh, do a podcast episode from there. Definitely. I think we should. Um, so about the Egyptian thing, it says, The spectacular show of ancient Egyptian treasures uh, uses non-intrusive science to explore mummified bodies and their elaborate air elaborate wrappings but, but on the MEN. but i think it means their elaborate wrappings I yes. know what that means i guess the, the the stuff around the mummies yeah it will be displayed in a brand new exhibition hall on the ground floor where the museum will host and tour shows that explore the richness of our world and our past and present and future the thing i'll be looking out for is a is it brilliant you're like is it is it just a f- awe inspiring thing and b how do they resolve some of the challenges posed by the kind of politics we have at the moment? You know, not in a negative way, but kind of like, how do you build a museum in 2023 when a lot of the objects are from countries that used to be in the British Empire, mm-hmm. when you've got people from one hand saying, you need loads of context, you need to make things really political, and you've got on the other hand saying, don't ruin the experience by trying to give me loads of sort of political mumbo-jumbo. I actually just want to look at the amazing object. You know, you've just got very, very different schools of thought from people who go to museums and galleries now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually, Esme Ward did broach that subject, didn't she? We did ask her about that. Yeah, uh, we did. And, and She was quite good on that. She was really good at and fluent um, talking about it. And I think what I sort of remember from what she said is that she would like... I think she would like to think there is less of a sort of culture war divide on this. She she thinks if if you're sensible and if you're transparent and if you're intelligent and you take your museum-going public seriously, that you don't have this huge issue. And I I think she's probably right about that. But you can just see, like, when it's done cack-handedly, like the sort of um, Manchester Gallery, some of the stuff in the the Manchester Art Gallery, it's just a little bit cack-handed the way they've done the contextualisation. These signs everywhere that speak to you as if you're sort of 
you know, a 15-year-old or something. I, I think there are plenty of ways people can get this stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see if they um, if they can um, navigate that minefield. Okay, 18th of February, that is. And not long after that, Yoshi, we are expecting some elections in the spring of 2023. It's going to be a really, oh, really key moment, isn't it, for local politics, that. And um, how are the winds blowing on that front at the moment? God, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, Labour's really, really far ahead in the polls. And... So that should translate into good Labour results in the councils across Greater Manchester. So Bolton, where I believe all of the seats, all 60 seats are up. So that's they're known as all outs, right? That's yeah. when you get the dramatic changes in councils. If there's something happening in national politics or there's something happening in local politics and you've got all outs, i.e. all the councillors are up for election. So all seats are up in Bolton. All up in Oldham, which is going to be fascinating, given all the stuff we've talked about in Oldham. I mean, we could do an episode before that looking at how that's going to work. But, like, Mm -hmm. you are sure if there is ever going to be, like, a kind of transformational collapse in Labour, you know, seats in in, in Oldham as a result of all the stuff we've talked about before. It would be in these in these all that. So they're old Labour's clearly very, very worried about about those elections. Stockport, which is in no overall control. They've got a Lib Dem leader. They've traditionally had a, a Labour leader recently, and now they've got a Lib Dem one. It's still in no overall control. They're, all of their seats are up. Um, Tameside, all their seats are up. I don't know so much about Tameside, but we should get the Tameside political expert Jack Talhanty to come and tell <laughs> us, because he reports on that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Trafford, um, the whole council um, is up. Wigan, the whole council is up, all out. And, and Trafford, by the way, is interesting, isn't it? Because that's been shifting a bit, hasn't it, in recent years? Yeah. Quite, quite a, a, a Tory stronghold for a while, now shifting a bit. Yeah, so it feels like... You've got every election you have there, you seem to have Labour and the Greens doing better and better and the Tories doing worse and worse. Mm. So that will be super interesting. You've also got a third of the council up, so not all outs, in Bury. You've got a third of them up, which is 32 out of 96 in Manchester. You've got a third of them up, which, t- which is 20 seats out of, um, out of 60 in Salford. And I think that's our lot. But that's pretty much... Is that pretty much... The, yeah, that, that's the entire... This is a long short of it, isn't it? The other thing as well to say about this is the last time that these seats were contested was Theresa May territory. It was the year that the European elections were happening, right? Well, um, not quite, because remember, all out means that even ones that were contested last year, they're yes, still being yes. contested. So, so actually... Some councillors will be fighting in seats where they haven't fought them for, let's say, three or four years because of the whole delays in the, in the pandemic. Yeah, some of them will be fighting on seats that they, you know, last year or like a recent by-election. Yes, so yes, I think yes, no, yes. you're right. There'll be some that are like there, there'll be lots of different time to periods involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, um, interesting. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have more analysis of that as it gets closer to the time. What else are you working on, Yoshi? What's uh, what's going on in the Mill newsroom as we head into the new year? It's actually a weird time of year because. We tried to put lots of effort in December into preparing stories for the Christmas break so that the people wouldn't have to work. So I, I remember when you worked in newspapers, you had to work over Christmas and stuff. And, and, and we try and avoid that. So we have, I wanted to have everyone to have like 12 you know, consecutive days of no work or whatever. And therefore, we worked really, really hard to fill up this Christmas schedule, have something for New Year, whatever. And then you get back in January, you're like, oh, you know, Jesus, <laughs> we don't have anything. So it's a little bit thin on the ground. We've got a really interesting story about this this football this, this club thing in, in Chalton. We've got a really nice story coming up where we interview young people in creative arts and in business or in politics about what they're planning to do this year. So kind of like young people and what how twenty what they're planning to do in the year and like I think it a nice thing about the next generation in Grace Manchester. Mm-hmm. And we've got some really interesting long form sort of profiles of interesting people in in the city region that we're working on. But it's almost like we've got 
dozens of things on our longer term list that we're really trying to make happen but then you get back and you're like well hang on we can't work on those until we've got our first half dozen pieces out mm. and that's a bit of a scramble but we've we've got an interesting edition coming out tomorrow uh, well the today actually in terms of when people listen to this and then we've got a nice weekend read coming out and hopefully after a couple of weeks we'll be up and away and we'll have some freelance stuff coming in and then we can focus on the bigger stuff because we've got some unreal um, sort of longer term projects. Lovely. Okay, manchestermill.co.uk is where you go to subscribe to get all that in your inbox. We also like to leave you with a nod, something to do around Greater Manchester over the next couple of days or so. It's quiet. People are hibernating. (laughs) There's not a huge amount going on. But what have you seen, Yoshi? Well, look, I don't know whether to recommend this or whether just to say it's happening. Let's see if it's any good. But there is this installation or or, or kind of art display at Factory International, even though they're not sort of open, the venue's not open yet. Mesmerising light installation, celebrating new life in Greater Manchester. First Breath is a celebration of new life across Greater Manchester. The powerful beams of light will shoot up high above the city skyline and slowly pulse to represent the moment that a baby takes its first gasp of air. Sounds quite weird, actually. (laughs) This extraordinary installation is curated and designed by world-renowned visual artist Luke Jerram to connect the world, the ground, the sky, and a visual representation of new life. I have no idea if this will be any good, but you should be able to um, open each evening until 10pm, and we recommend coming down after 5pm to get the full effect of the lights under darkness. Wow, very nice. And that's at Factory International? The site yeah, of the yeah, that's, okay. that's... So you can go and there. have a preview of the site as well, I suppose. So, so it's, um, you can find the, the main entrance to the first breath on Water Street at okay. the bottom of Liverpool Road. Okay, that would be interesting if that's your back. Uh, my... <laughs> it's a bit too high-pitched there, wasn't <laughs> it? Uh, my nod for the weekend ahead is uh, the Halle at the Bridgewater Hall. Nice. Uh, Viennese New Year. There's a traditional sort of New Year concert of Viennese waltzes and marches and nice. operettas and stuff. It'll be uh, really lovely, that, I'm sure, at the Bridgewater Hall on Saturday the 7th. And this is quite interesting, a bit different. On Monday, if you're about on Monday, uh, weirdly, it's 11am till 12.30pm. I'm not sure if they do these quite regularly, but the next one at least is an hour and a half on Monday morning, which is not a great time. But if you do happen to be available, there are some tours happening of the Palace Theatre, which is a beautiful building once you get inside. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Uh, really old, uh, quite iconic building, really, I suppose, in Manchester. And you can get a full tour and get to have a look backstage and all that kind of stuff as well and get a sense of the majesty of that incredible building, which is well over a century old, isn't it? I think uh, the 1890s, I think it was, oh, really? uh, it was built in Manchester, yeah. Uh, so worth uh, worth doing that's it from us for this week thank you for being with us at the start of the new year don't forget to subscribe to the mill make it your new year's resolution to have more quality journalism in your inbox yeah what about that tweet from from someone who said manchester mill was my favorite discovery of 2022 and she linked to the podcast so thank you very much to her i think she's called ellen ellen quinn ellen quinn thank you bye ellen thanks for listening lovely to have you on board Uh, manchestermill.co.uk is where you go to subscribe to the mill subscribe to this podcast as well and you'll get quality journalism in your podcast feed every week and we'll be back there same time next week and give us a rating we love the ratings they've been clocking up reviews and ratings on uh, Spotify and on Apple please leave us a rating and if you fancy doing a tweet like Ellen did or a Facebook post saying how much you like the podcast we'd love it please do we'd absolutely love it catch you next week bye